0: Hello, this is Dwayne McCrary, and I'm the team leader for Del Explore the Bible. And joining me today is Mike Livingston. Mike, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you. Good to be here. Today we're looking at Session Four of our study of First and Second Timothy and Titus. We're focusing right now on First Timothy, and we'll be looking at First Timothy, Chapter Four, verses one through thirteen. During this particular session, during these verses, Paul explained. Uh, the false teachers will rise in the last days and will call some to fall away from the faith. Paul reminded Timothy that the things forbidden by the false teachers are things created by God with a God-honoring purpose. He calls on Timothy to be disciplined in his life and to challenge other believers to do the same. Instead of turning to speculative teachings, believers are to focus on godliness and the gospel. Paul instructed Timothy to focus on teaching the gospel, gaining a hearing for it by the godly life he lived. The theme of this particular session is valuing sound doctrine. Now, Mike, in in, in this passage, there are some things that sometimes get taken uh, and are misused. What are some of the ways people might misuse this passage?
1: Well, like uh, maybe you're thinking, like as an excuse not to take care of their physical bodies and that, and that, and sure that, and that kind of thing. Because in the verse eight, chapter four, verse eight, you know, he talks. Paul talks about the training of the body has limited benefit, or the King James it says it like this: bodily exercise profiteth little. And I, and I've heard, I've actually heard Christians say maybe jokingly, but I've heard people say, well, I'll just get to see Jesus that much sooner. I'll get to heaven <laughs> that much sooner. And to, to excuse their unhealthy habits. Uh, I think they were joking. I, I'm really not sure. But, but that's really not a biblical perspective. Um, uh, you know, what does God say about our bodies and the use of our bodies? He says, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, that your body belongs to God. It's not your own. And, and, and God means for us to honor him in the way that we use the bodies that he's given to us. So here in First Timothy four, where Paul talks about you know that the training of the body has limited benefit. he's not saying we should, for that reason, neglect. Our physical bodies, and said, "What he's doing here is he's contrasting physical training with spiritual training, physical exercise with with godliness, and and while the first has limited benefit, the latter is beneficial in in every way." He says, "So we need to do both. Both both are important, though the spiritual training is is more important, certainly. And so this this recognition that the training of the body has limited benefit that really it cuts two ways. That statement cuts two ways for those." Who are uh, voluntarily sedentary or who have unhealthy habits? It says, well, taking care of your body is beneficial. But for those of us who are those who are prone to make exercise uh, an idol, they need to hear it's only of limited value. So our our goal in the training of the body should never be to improve uh, the, the. the image of our bodies or the quality of our bodies so that other people will notice us and and, and admire us. That's never the goal. The goal of exercising and and eating healthy and taking care of our bodies should always be to improve our physical health so that we will have more energy that we can devote to spiritual goals. I I think there's a second thing in in this passage that trip people up or that um, some people might struggle with, and that's in the very first verse of chapter 4
0: where Paul says that some will depart from the faith. How should we understand that phrase, Mike, The depart from the faith, especially in light of other passages that teach us about our security as believers? Well,
1: the New Testament as a whole teaches our security. Um, you, know, look in, you know, passages like you know, John 10, 28, you know, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and they'll never perish. If, if we're promised eternal life by Jesus, but lose it or have it taken away from us, then it was never eternal life to begin with. Or Ephesians 4.13, where Paul talks about how we as believers believers are sealed into the day of redemption. If we did not have eternal security, then that sealing would not be into the day of redemption. Uh, I, I think Scripture as a whole teaches certainly that we're saved by grace and we are kept saved by grace. If, if salvation is something we cannot earn, then it is, it is something we cannot lose. If God's acceptance of us is is not gained by our good works, then neither is it forfeited forfeited by our failures. Uh, so the question then becomes, well, what do we make of passages that seem to say we can fall away from salvation? And that's what it, it might seem to be saying in First Timothy 4.1. But, as always context is the key. When Paul said in that verse that some will depart from the faith, we've got to ask the question, who are the some that he's talking about, and what does he mean by the faith? So when when we look at that verse in its context, uh, it, it identifies for us the some the uh, with the persons that he mentions in verses 2 and 3, the, the false teachers. That's who the some are in, in that context, It's the false teachers. And Paul is not talking in this passage about believers who fall away from saving faith. He's talking about false teachers who have departed from the sound teaching of the faith, the faith meaning the body of beliefs that we hold to as Christians.
0: So that leaves that raises the question about uh, you know they're teaching these things but did they really believe the what the gospel to begin with yes so yes. i think that's an important distinction for us to remember uh, near the end of this section in verses 13 we see the idea of public reading exhortation and teaching L- let's think a little bit about how those th- three things are different
1: well, public reading, that's thats obvious. Um, that was the public reading of, of Scripture in the, their corporate worship. And that that was a practice that was uh, carried over even from Jewish synagogues. Uh, Jesus read the Scriptures in the synagogue at Nazareth. So we know there's just the reading of Scripture in their worship. And in the first century, when you think about it, believers did not have personal copies of God's Word and public reading of Scripture was is essential. That was a practice that was essential, and, and I think it's it's still important uh, today. So public reading. That's 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 obvious. Exhortation. The second term, exhortation, or in some translations, I believe, is preaching. The word literally means encouragement. It's a word that literally means encouragement, and and it suggests the applying of the word to the lives of of the people, the, the, the listeners, and this exhortation can take the form of encouraging, uh, rebuking, warning, comforting. And then the third term that's used there is teaching, or the King James uses the word doctrine. And this is a certainly a major emphasis in the pastoral letters. This, this, this word teaching, didascalia, is used 15 times in the pastoral letters. And it involves the the explanation, just this, the systematic explanation of the Word of God. So in these three terms, what you have uh, are uh, the ideas of y- you read it, and you explain it, and you apply it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, um, it's a whole package. Yes. It's every part of it. Yes. Um, you know, so really, in this... The way I hear this uh, hear what you're saying here, Mike, is that we need spiritual nour- nourishment and it comes through these three things. Why is that so important? How, how, is, is that a, a correct assumption? Is that how we get spiritual nourishment? Well,
1: yeah, spiritual nourishment comes to us comes from the Word of God. and, and you see that in places like First Peter 2: 2, 2, you know Peter says, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that you can grow up in your salvation. Um, but but why is this important? Why is this spiritual nourishment important? Well, when you look at, at what Paul is saying, and, and I'm looking in 1 Timothy four six, what Paul had in mind there when he talks about nourishment was Timothy's nourishment. If you look, read the verse, and he's not talking about the church's nourishment, the believers. He's talking about Timothy nourishment. If you point out these things to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith. So yes, Paul puts an emphasis in this entire letter on Timothy's responsibility to teach and preach the truth to, you know, in in the church, and in doing so, Timothy would be a good servant of Christ and nourished by the words of faith. And this
0: <laughs> so uh- he he's reminding Timothy, this is what you're supposed to do with your job. But understand, you can't do that unless you're doing it too.
1: Exactly. And what a good reminder for all of us who engage in teaching the Word. The Bible, and here's here's, here's what is so important for us, is that the Bible is God's Word to the teacher before it is lesson material for your next class meeting. So uh, to some degree, I believe that effective Bible teaching takes place out of the overflow of what God is doing in our hearts and our lives as teachers. And that's a very different proposition than the teacher just going through the lesson material and presenting in class what is in the book. So your, your, your leader guide, you have a leader guide, you have all these lesson helps, and, and those, those lesson helps will help you to add depth and breadth to, to the content of your teaching and, and building relationships with your group members. That will help you connect God's Word right to where they live and where they are. But it's your personal study of the biblical text in the pursuit of God it's your study of the Bible in the pursuit of God and not just in search of lesson material that will take your teaching to another level.
0: It makes it difficult for us to wait until Sunday morning to look at that content if that's the, the design that we're supposed to be yes. following as teachers. Yes. This lesson is a call for all of us to live a disciplined life, but that disciplined life includes the prioritizing of our of our spiritual development through nourishing ourselves on God's Word, an important truth for all of us to consider and live by, especially for us who are teachers. Mike, thank you for, for being here with us thank today. You. Thank you for reminding us of the importance of us studying the Word for ourselves first before we present it to the people who we'll stand in front of in our group time. My pleasure. Thank you much, and God bless.